JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, friend of the show. From CBS, he's going to be the voice of the Final Four. He is the voice of NFL on CBS, NBA on TNT. He is Ian Eagle who joins us now. Hello, Ian. How are things going? Hey, JMV. As you know, it takes two to make things go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. <laughs> I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass, and I came to get down. Exactly. Exactly. Are you internationally known? I think you are. I, I'm known throughout the microphone. I can tell you that. So, yeah, at least, well, actually, known throughout the microphone here. That's about it, I think, right there. Hey, did you get our care package of Larceny Bourbon? Oh, not yet. Not yet. Have, You've got me on pins and needles unless the, a no, neighbor it's, stole it. Hey, James, when did you send that? I believe I sent it out. It was Thursday or Friday of last week, I believe. So we're about a week out. Mm. All right. I'll stay on the lookout. <laughs> or maybe I'm just saying I didn't get it, so I get a second package. This is all part of my devious plan. We made sure. I thought this was a, a, a really smart ploy. We wrote on the outside of the box, there's nothing to see here, no alcohol or anything in this box, so no reason to steal it. Yeah, I mean, there, there are no lushes in New Jersey, so that, that would never happen. Well, hey, watch out because it's coming at you, and then we right, want to hear right. exactly what you think about that taste. Because I know, I mean, your time, your time spent away from no. sports and doing play-by-play is counting down right now. Yeah, it's dwindling. It's dwindling. I'm on a plane tomorrow, going to Charlotte, North Carolina, for the Jets and the Panthers, and then away we go back into the thick of things. So great time of year. Really excited, and I know you guys are feeling the same way. Although. Here's the one thing, JMV, we're going to get into the Colts. Usually, training camp and preseason in the NFL, you try to avoid drama. It's all about optimism. It's all about getting your season ticket holder base and fans excited, get them tantalized about the season. And when you have something like the Jonathan Taylor situation pop up, it throws some cold water on whatever heat you're trying to emit here in the preseason. So this is a little bit of a challenge, and obviously the Colts are going to change the narrative. If Anthony Richardson comes out looking sharp, then that's going to be the storyline. But this was a big speed bump to deal with early. Yeah, it's uh, Ian Eagle of CBS with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. It was, too. And, you know, it's funny, Ian, being around here as long as I have, that, that was the, the most highly anticipated camp start because yep. of the, the mystery, the question mark that is Anthony Richardson that we have ever seen. And, you know, people say, well, what about Andrew Luck? Well, Andrew Luck was, in most eyes, can't miss, just like Peyton Manning was. But this yep. was, I got I to gotta see this for myself. And it was the most interesting part. And people thought you're getting away from what the soap opera and the circus was a year ago. And then, you know, unfortunately, as of almost two weeks ago to the day, you jump right back into that days of our lives mold again. And that's that's where you are with Jonathan Taylor. It's it's unfortunate. And you're right. It overshadows absolutely everything. Yeah, and and look, it's a reminder that you could have NFL insiders, you could have people very close to the team, but there's always going to be something happening that we're not completely privy to. So the conversations that were taking place, the posturing that was uh, happening between Jonathan Taylor's people and the owner, Jim Irsay, and his negotiators, Chris Ballard, 
that clearly was something brewing, but it didn't necessarily hit the public side of things at this level. Of course, we recognize at some point they're going to have to address it. But the way things evolved in the running back position and the finances this offseason, it set the table. And now, as you look back on it, it actually isn't that shocking that they're at a bit of an impasse and, and there seems to be some some legitimate division. Can it be repaired? Yeah, money repairs everything. If they come to terms on the financial figures, all will be forgotten. But for right now, it, it seems like this is a, a deep hole and some damage has been done to the relationship. Yeah, it's funny. I, and I, I was at a point to where, at the beginning of all this, that ultimately Taylor would have to play to get paid because yep. that's the leverage that the Colts had. And then you kind of wondered why they kind of you know stuck their flag in the sand of um, the whole off-premises, non-football-related injury story yep. that was reported by you know a couple of people that cover the Colts here. And then now I just wonder, and it's all been about rehabbing offside the past 48 hours or so and wondering if he's back from that surgery he had back in January of which EJ Speed, linebacker of the Colts, has been back for a long time performing at a high level. You just wonder if this is a ploy from his representation just to make sure that while he doesn't play, he still gets paid. And that's what I've wondered the past 48 hours. Yeah, and agents are there to protect their clients. Uh, Teams view it through a different prism because they have to. They're managing an entire roster, and they're trying to extrapolate over time what kind of money they're going to have to pay out and how they're going to divvy up those funds moving forward. I get it. I get it from both sides. Uh, I think Taylor, when healthy, is exceptional, as we know. He's proven that. And the Colts are trying to figure out what the finances are going to look like and the way things have have changed in the NFL at running back, uh, it's not a position, at least currently, that you pay high market prices at. And that's just how it works sometimes in professional sports. Uh, It's borderline, as we know, owners potentially coming together on a collusion level, but it's not something you could prove. Uh, This is just how the market has gone, and it may turn again. It probably will at some point but currently the timing for jonathan taylor and his representatives is not the best to ian eagle of cbs and again he's got that game call the jets in carolina preseason game one coming up this weekend he's with us again via the andy moore automotive group hotline and again it does overshadow everything including you know preparing for that first start coming up in buffalo on saturday with with anthony richardson how much have you been privy to the hype around him um your thoughts on the inexperience while at florida but going ahead and kind of just putting him into a situation which certainly would make him very uncomfortable Ian, he said something earlier today that i'll take with me and i thought it was very mature when asked you know what he wanted to see from himself in this first game this preseason game he says i want to develop consistency and that's it because we know that he can throw at 100 yards and he's as athletic as any quarterback we have ever seen coming out of college but the consistency of delivering the football is what you want to see him improve upon and that's going to start even in a very small scope on Saturday. Yeah, JMV, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly frank with you. The way things are set up for me doing the NFL, I'm often doing two games a week, Thursday night on radio, yep. Sunday afternoon on television. I am completely engaged and ensconced in the NFL preparation process. If a college football game happens to be on while I'm doing some final notes on a Saturday night, yeah, I might pop it on, watch a few minutes, but for the most part, I'm locked in on the NFL. So, when the draft comes around and people want to know, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> I, I honestly do not know, and once they get to the league, I then commit myself to knowing everything that I need to know about them once I'm assigned their game. So this is a roundabout way of saying I've watched the highlight tape. It's impressive. You could not watch that and not be impressed. Anthony Richardson has so much raw ability, and you can see why the Colts feel like he could be the future of the franchise. But as we know in this league, maybe more than any other league of the four major leagues, you have to prove it on Sundays. You cannot fake this. 
ever, and especially at the quarterback position. Uh, we've seen guys that have had raw ability that get there and can't do it. We've seen guys that were unheralded that emerge because they've committed themselves and they just have the right stuff. We don't know yet with Anthony Richardson. Obviously, the Colts are gambling that they picked the right guy and that when we look at this 10 years from now and the smoke clears, they're going to look like geniuses. But you have to actually do it on the field before anybody can start making that determination that they made the right pick. It's uh, Ian Eagle with us. Obviously, the call for the Jets game. And what's funny about this entire thing is around here, we want the relaxation of not being a part of a circus or being a part of a soap opera. <laughs> right. And Ian, right. honestly, I, th- I think a lot of people felt that maybe the Jets could have some, you know, of those those undertones, if you will, <laughs> a little bit of a, a circus. And, you know, the, the first year um, with their, mm-hmm. their quarterback situation now and Aaron Rodgers the way that it is. But it seems like even with hard knocks in the building everything's been all quiet on that front and it's almost like it's business as usual yeah you know what i think is interesting i think there's often with the jets a push and pull of coaching staff robert sell in particular just wants to go about his business wants to do the job that he's been asked to do and win games And then maybe others within the team structure, ownership could be in play here. They want relevance. They want people talking about them. They want buzz. And in trying to to carve out a little piece of the pie in New York sports, entertainment, and just the life here in New York tri-state area, it's hard. It's hard to get noticed. It's hard to get uh, that kind of of flame going and the Jets did that with their blockbuster move with Green Bay and that's where the push and pull begins you can't now push back those that want to know more and the interest level is higher than ever before you can't have it both ways so I think Salah came around and he's a smart guy he's a legit good guy very likable that comes across in the first episode of Hard Knocks Uh, Guys will play hard for him. And the Aaron Rodgers part of it, uh, there's no avoiding it, JMV. Uh, He he is a lightning rod, and he is the guy that they think can put them over the top. Very similar to what the Buccaneers thought with Tom Brady. Very similar to what the Rams thought with Matthew Stafford. They believe that they were a quarterback away from being – a legitimate contender in the NFL, and now you got to go out and, and show it. They have the sixth toughest schedule in the NFL. Their first six games are brutal. The back half of their schedule on paper is lighter, and they're going to be under the microscope every single week because they've got Aaron Rodgers under center. So Ian Eagle with us. Um, what's been your impression? I mean, it's, it's so far, and really, you mentioned it's hard to get a spotlight in New York because there's so much going on. But has that taken over, at least momentarily, the spotlight there with all that going on, with Aaron Rodgers being yeah. there with the started training camp of the Jets in and around New York City? It has. It has, and maybe that's a byproduct of the Mets being out of it early, the Yankees fading fast. So what normally is a boys of summer conversation is no longer a a big part of the daily sports rhetoric. And the fact that New York loves stars, there's there's no two ways about it. When Brett Favre got here, uh, there was a seismic reaction locally to a guy that's going to be in the Hall of Fame and maybe the guy that can get the Jets back to the Super Bowl. It didn't happen. They struggled to get to the finish line, and then it was one and done. With Aaron Rodgers, he has made public comments that he's in it for the long haul. This is not a one-year rental where he's just going to try it out and see how it goes. He believes that he's got a chance to win the whole enchilada in a Jets uniform. So you can imagine how that's galvanized the fan base. And, yes, the New York media has followed. There is a very high curiosity factor with this squad. And meanwhile... JMV, the Giants have gone completely under the radar here in the summer leading into the preseason regular season where they were one of the biggest surprises in the NFL a year ago. Yeah, and it almost seems like that they're built – 
for that being under the radar type yes. of thing. And, and you know, I agree. they're running back, and it was a different situation. than Jonathan Taylor still has a year remaining, and you know, Saquon Barkley needed to get a new deal. Yep. But it, it, all of that soap opera, even if it was a friend soap opera situation, ended when he decided to go ahead and get his. And you know, Steve Miller once said, "Take the money and run," which is exactly yep. what he did. And, and really, what you have to do if you're playing that position and you're viewed as that type of running back, if you're not Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, who you're widely utilized on third down, you know, as that out of the backfield receiving threat. Yep. These guys that carry the ball as bell cows are going to get hosed in this entire process. And he took his and went. And with that, that circusy soap opera effect went away. You nailed it. Uh, that That is the exact perspective right now in the running back position. As I'm doing preparation for this Jets-Carolina game, you know, I'm working on some Panther stuff because you want to be up to date on on the other team, even though it's a Jets-centric broadcast. It's a local broadcast. But Miles Sanders is coming off a Pro Bowl season, by far the best year of his career. He put it all together last year. He signed a four-year, $25.5 million deal with the Carolina Panthers. That money was too rich for the Eagles, who said, no, 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 we're good, we'll be fine. And for Miles Sanders, you're looking at somewhere in the vicinity of $6.2 million per year. That's what he got on the open market. Now, is Jonathan Taylor a more talented back? Yes, he probably is. Uh, Is Saquon Barkley a more talented? Yes, he probably is. But these are the numbers that we're talking about. Miles Sanders is an accomplished enough back that thought he was going to get big, big money. And this is what he got. Very good, excellent, but not what some of the guys are trying to to get on on the free market right now. And I have actually... I've made, I've been of the opinion and made the comparison with Miles Sanders a year ago. Goes over 1,200 yards, and that yeah. was necessary. And and again, everybody wants to put Philadelphia in the category of running it by committee, which they did. They had a couple of backup running backs, had a couple hundred apiece, but their quarterback had 700 yards rushing. Plus, Correct. there's nobody in the NFL on that's got a better offensive line than what Philadelphia had. And then you got your outside threats, you got the inside threats at tight end. I mean, they really did have it all, but it was also important to get that 1,200 yards rushing out of Miles Sanders. And I'm assuming because of the rookie quarterback in Carolina, they view that as important with Frank Wright there as well. That's why I think this is so it's so mind-blowing that there's not more of an importance making sure Jonathan Taylor is a part of this because I just think this situation for him, Ian, and Indy with this rookie quarterback is different than a lot of the situations on that running back NFL landscape. I think he is more necessary here as he would be and other running backs are in other places around the NFL and the fact that he's clearly on the outside looking in right now contractually um, and they're not nearly on the same page I think that all that does is kind of put your rookie quarterback at an opportunity to be really far behind without that level of production that you think you're going to get had Jonathan Taylor been healthy happy and good to go Yep, completely accurate statement. I'm sure part of the mission statement that Jonathan Taylor and his reps have discussed that they have leverage. The issue, as we know, is you gotta you gotta be in position to get paid, either playing or officially injured and still getting paid. You're not gonna pull a Le'Veon Bell situation, which he never recovered from, by the way. Financially, never recovered. Right. Physically was never the same. I'm not saying that's the only example that you can use, but it's the most recent one that comes to mind. He had a good thing in Pittsburgh. He and his representatives didn't believe that the Steelers were going to pay him fair market value. He sits out a season, eventually gets a a job with the New York Jets, was never the same. I remember being in production meetings with him. Le'Veon was a really likable dude, happy-go-lucky and things changed. He couldn't do the things that he did in Pittsburgh. And even the blocking scheme was just different. It all fit. It was the perfect fit. And uh, again, everyone's got to do what they need to do individually. Jonathan Taylor's got to do what he needs to do. The Colts have to make decisions based on what they think is best for the team. But it would be in Jonathan Taylor's best interest to play this year and show that he is one of the best running backs still in the NFL and can stay healthy and then 
that's when the market can shift. When there's an owner or a GM out there that says, you know what, we need this guy, whatever it takes. We need. This is what happens in the league. We go through lulls at certain positions where they're not getting paid at the, the same value that we thought they would. But one guy can change the entire market. Yeah, yeah no question about that. I, I just think here, I think the Colts, uh, again, I know this part. They had, you know, every intention of regardless having him play out this year yep. and then prove it and then pay him. And, and you can kind of just tell Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he went from, okay, I'm okay with that, changing agents, and now he's not okay with it. And then Ian, the other bad part about this is when, when you get in a public back and forth, especially on social media, for example, and your owner's a part of it, I will maintain this. Had Jim Mersey just kept quiet on it, then you wouldn't have people around here choosing sides because we ultimately are where we were going to be with this anyway. But unfortunately, I think Jim kind of expedited the process and you know with that comment that he made to kind of start this off it challenged Colts fans to pick sides when it wasn't really necessary completely fan the flames and took it to the next level very quickly agreed Rob Bass is uh doing a sound check right now <laughs> i thought that was an angry colts fan i didn't even realize have you have you ever been a part of an interview and rob bass was doing a sound check in the background <laughs> uh only once and it was houdini so it's weird but it happened to me a second time let me tell you this they were warming up a little bit earlier and uh he was he, he broke into a little freaks come out at night with that <laughs> hey when you growing up uh, obviously in the area in which you did on the east coast were you growing up a big hip-hop fan at the early stages oh yeah i mean i i was going to run dmc concerts beastie mm. boy concert houdini concerts you go on and on. i've seen rob bass in person so yeah you're you're preaching to the choir right now i um my first one and i'm very proud of this back and you probably remember this as well i was 17 in 1987 and they called them fresh fest back then yeah and it was a fresh fest that had ll cool j very young ll cool i think he was like only 19 at the time uh houdini eric b and rakim and rakim is my all-time favorite right there and um a a very not 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 big time yet public enemy they kind of back then changed the game when they first came out that was at market square arena here in indianapolis i was 17 years old and it was absolutely amazing and that's that's yeah we're we're right around right around the same age i would throw the fat boys in there as well i saw them uh when i was growing up born a year before you all of this was very seminal it was and you know i'm from Queens, so run dmc ll cool j all of those guys grew up about 15 minutes from where i grew up so you Mm. felt a deep connection to these guys in in some manner and it was so cool to see them rise up from a international point of view that people now knew who they were we thought it was just us in our little enclave in new york city and then they became international superstars it was wild you know Ian, it is so, to me, comparable to Seattle in the early 90s with, you know, what they called the grunge sound. It was just a Pacific Northwest Seattle thing, and then it just expanded nationwide and went global, exactly with what you're talking about, where you grew up there on the East Coast with hip-hop. It did the same thing, and and it's going to be awesome for that to be local for you, and then all of a sudden that thing go national and then global in the fashion in which it did. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure you're right. If you talk to people who grew up in a similar time frame, maybe a little younger than us, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Mm -hmm. that whole genre that blew up. And for me, I remember when the movie uh, Breaking came out, Electric Boogaloo, (laughs) and these guys were featured. Run DMC was in a scene, and uh, LL Cool J. I was like, oh, my God, they're on the big stage. They have made it to the movies only – uh, to, to see them go 10 times bigger over the next 5 to 7 to 10 years. It's, it's why I had it's the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, which I'm sure you know. Yep. Who exactly came up with the date, I don't know, but uh, that's that's pretty wild to think that no, uh, it's been it around is. for that long. 
and I, I, I kind of, I guess my learning experience, because where I grew up, it's in, you know, southwestern Indiana, and there, there's not a lot of hip-hop stuff going on in the 1980s when I'm growing up. But then, you know, I get to see Crush Groove. And I yep. get to see a lot of those acts, those artists that you were just talking about. I get to see them on the big screen, and it had such a profound and then lasting effect on me. Kind of took me, musically speaking, with what I enjoy out of that where I am right now. And you know, a lot of that was due to Crush Groove. Yeah, we share that, man. Well, that's that's forever. It is. All right, going to Carolina. Right, bud. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're going to Rob Bass, so we're both we're both working out here. <laughs> All right, well, look in the mail. Watch out for the uh, Larceny Bourbon, which is coming your way, and let us know when you get it and enjoy right, that. It's the least we can do. But we love checking in with you, love having you on the show. Have a great call with the Jets in Carolina in that preseason game number one. And we can't wait, hopefully, one of these days to see you here in Indy, hopefully see you here in Indy as a part of your NFL on CBS schedule at some point. But we'll stay in touch, Ian. Thank you as always. Yeah, appreciate you, JMV. Feelings are mutual man have a great week iron eagle right there on the andy moore automotive group hotline he is an awesome dude absolutely awesome whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you Andy Moore, Automotive Group Pylon from CBS4 and Fox 59. Mike Chappell joins us. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Um, interesting, I guess. Um, is this how you thought it was going to go down? I think we've been on the same page regarding Anthony Richardson the entirety of the time. You think this is how it's going to go down? And is this at all a precursor to you believing that once the regular season gets here as well, that's going to be the same result? He's going to get the starting nod. I, th- I think so. And, and, and what Shane Steichen said today sort of is that they need they did this because they need to know. Yes. He said he wants to see where he's at. And the only way you do is take the next step, and, and that's a preseason game. And, you know, he'll see more next week when the Bears come in for joint work and then Philly. Because, again, we keep going back. This guy played 13 games in college. He threw less than 400 passes. So much of what everything he sees now is new certainly at this level. So you have to see where he's at. We've seen what we've seen in, in, in these, what is it, nine or ten practices. And you see good, you see bad. But it's still so controlled. Well, starting Saturday, it's not controlled. They're not going to be out there stopping plays and wearing red jerseys and all that stuff. It, it's, you know, live action. And you have you have to see where he's at. And the only way to do that is for the kid to play. And like I've said all along, and I still believe it, he has to prove he's not ready. And the only way to do that, whether it's to him or the, or the team, is to get out there and either either it's not too big for him or it is too big for him. And the only way you know that is to get out there. How much time do you think he gets? Oh, probably, you know, I always talk quarters, probably like 20 plays. I look more into plays than I do series or quarters. You'd like to, you'd like to get him a good work. And the question is, does as long as he's out there, is the first unit offense out there, the offensive line? Maybe uh, he, he's played a lot with the, with the second group. And keep in mind that Buffalo is going to be going with a lot of their number two guys too. So it's not like he's going to be going against their number one defense for for the whole time. But. You know, and again, he needs to play, and then Minshew comes in, and then after about middle of the second quarter, you're going to see a bunch of guys that you don't know a lot about. Some of them will be here in September, some of them won't be, but that's what these three preseason games are all about. To Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Mike, I brought this up, by the way. There's a uh, Rob Bay sound check going on in the background right here, so you know, here at the Indiana State Fair, so don't have that take you off guard. There's just a little bit of a sound check going on. Got to make sure everything sounds good here at the Indiana State Fair. But when I heard Anthony Richardson, when asked by you guys earlier today about what's most important to him, what he wants to see from himself, he talked about that consistency. And I like that. I mean, I like that a great deal. Um, you know, granted, that's the big question mark out there is consistency, you know, ball placement consistency, because as you guys have well documented, he's certainly 
been all over the place, and that's expected. But consistency is what he is looking for. With that in mind, what do you expect the play calls to look like to try to build that consistency, to build that trust and that confidence in their young quarterback? You would think the short game, which would go hand-in-hand with with kind of keeping the pass rush off of him. They need to take a couple of shots because that's going to be their offense. And he'll run a few times, but in the passing game, certainly the first game, make it easy. Look for the, you know, dump offs of the running backs and, and I'd say tight ends, but gosh, all the tight ends are hurt. But, you know, Josh Downs and McKenzie and, and the shoulder stuff, I think, I, I, I just, it's, it's, it's always vanilla in preseason anyway. This is a little different because you need, you need to see. You need, you need to not only see, but you need to continue to grow, have helped him grow, which you do by opening things up. But we're not going to see near what, what he can do. What I'm interested in, again, he's been up and down. He was 5-12 today in 11-11. That's not good enough at all. But what, you, what we haven't seen because of the way camp is, is you really haven't seen how he, he, he can impact an offense. With, with, with this threat of a run, with getting on the edge, because, you know, the, the, he's wearing a red jersey. The, they, they, they can't hit him. So you really can't tell is did he really just gain 15 yards there or, you know, with the defensive end of, of Crunchstein. So you don't know. Again, the, the preceding gives you an idea. But when you talk consistency, Gardner Minshew has been consistent. But that, but see, that's part of the problem. Is is I think his his ceiling is is so much lower than than what Richardson is, and he's uh, Rick Venturi called him a single hitter, to where you kind of know what you're going to get, and you're not going to get too many big plays, but you're not going to get too many bad plays, and, and Richardson is going to give you the chance of the really big plays, the electric plays, and the big gains. But then you have to make sure you don't put the ball at risk. That's one thing Steichen said today. I want him to be out there and, you know, take care of the ball and play safe and all that. But you have to open it up to some degree to see what you got. Uh, maybe, again, it makes more sense to do that in the second pre or next week when the Bears come to town. But you, you, you got to see what you've got. You, you, and the only way to do that is to expose him to things, which includes a defense that knows he's not wearing a red jersey. So this this will be a really, really good step in Richardson's process. So Mike Chappell's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, it's something I thought about uh, almost to the day a year ago. The Colts go up to Buffalo. And the reason why I bring this up is because Rick Venturi and I were texting back and forth. And, you know, his philosophy is, and he's absolutely right that the scoreboard doesn't matter but it's critical that you perform and that's what you're looking for in these preseason games and if we remember you go back nearly a year in Buffalo and the offensive line took an absolute beating and we all after the game said yeah you know it's just a preseason doesn't matter and that basically set the course for that offensive line looking very similar the entirety of the year so we took that away from that preseason game a year ago what are the other takeaways you're looking for coming up on Saturday in Buffalo. Well, that again, that again, uh, you know, this offensive line again has taken all the snaps until today when Braden Smith was out with a knee injury, a knee issue, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they had taken the same guys had taken all the snaps at the first unit. Well, that's fine, but the same group did last year too. And like you said, we saw how that thing played out. So the hardest, I think the hardest thing to judge in training camp is offensive line, defensive line, because you, you just don't have the, the, the full speed and you're going against the same people and all that. This is really a good test. I remember several years ago when Andrew Luckin, they played up in Buffalo, and they held him out. He didn't play that game because they were concerned with the pass rush. So I really want to see how the offensive line plays and can they keep the rush off of the quarterback and can they give whoever runs the ball, goodness knows who's going to run the ball, give them, give them a chance. Uh, but that, that's, that and the, the corners. I, I need to see how the corners play because you talk about a young group of corners. It, it's yeah. a veteran group of offensive linemen and a bunch of corners that, that the average fan doesn't know who they are. 
What's funny about this entire thing, Mike, is uh, both incredibly important storylines that have all been basically covered up because of the Jonathan Taylor stuff right. so far during this training camp. I, I, I agree with you, too. Uh, it is it is a leap of faith, is it not, regarding the Colts with this offensive line, hoping that a change in position coach and just a new season with what they believe is going to be a starting quarterback with more athleticism is going to transform this offensive line because it looked broken, battered, and done a year ago, Mike. Yeah, and we've talked. I mean, they've told us what they thought by the only real, the only change was the position coach. Yeah. And they, and, they, and they bring in new guys at the top, and the same the same guys who finished the season last year's starters are back this year. And my big concern, even if these guys raise their games two, le- two levels from last year, which would be, you know, nice, but the, the depth, you really worry about the depth, and it, it reared its head today again with Braden Smith out and, and Blake Freeland, the, the, the fourth-round draft pick is out there. And and then you're one then you're one injury away from then what do you do so it's 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 this is so foreign to how Chris Ballard ha- has handled the offensive line to where I remember back when well you need eight or nine guys who they consider starter quality because injuries happen and all this and you know it, it, some of the guys didn't work out in the past the Sam Tevies and Matt Pryors and all those guys, but they had played and, and they had starter experience and that's not the case now. They've really got some unproven guys and that's and, and then, then you've got the running back situation where, where Taylor is still somewhere, but not here. And, you know, his backups, Zach Moss and Deion Jackson are out and you bring in Kenyon Drake, and he limped off the field today, so it's it's just not the greatest. I, I realize we've got time to go for the regular season. There is. And some of these guys will get healthy. And maybe Taylor comes back. I don't know. But it's, it's not ideal the way you're trying to, to surround this quarterback, this rookie quarterback, with 13 starts under his belt to give him the best chance to succeed. It, it, it's not ideal. Uh, and, and again, like I say, they're, they're like one injury on the offensive line from being in real distress. And and that maybe that's Braden Smith. We don't know what the injury is. And, you know, Shane Steichen didn't really – I think he said he's not going to be out long or whatever. I can't remember the exact terminology. But if they lose anybody else on that offensive line, you know, Danny Pinter's got some, some, some experience and he didn't play well last year. Uh, if your left tackle goes down, it's it's just not a good situation. And it's, again, like I said, it's very unusual that they've done this because they they've normally done just the opposite with the number of of I won't say proven, but experienced bodies on the offensive line. Yeah, it is um, it is kind of crazy with that in mind. And, and Mike Chapel joins us. I want to get back to yesterday. Um, you privy at all to the type of – it was reported that, that Kareem Hunt did get an offer from the Colts. They did not come together on a deal. Thus, he left town yesterday without one. And I always kind of considered – just his representation kind of playing off of the Colts to get more money out of Probably. New Orleans. But did, did you – was there a, from what you heard, a legitimate offer on the table? I had heard something, you know, in excess of close to, to a mill, which kind of shocked me at that number. So I didn't know whether or not to believe it. But did you hear as well there was a legitimate offer from the Colts for Kareem Hunt on the table? No, I didn't. And if it was a mill, that's not a legitimate offer <laughs> because that's basically the veterans' minimum. Kenyon Drake yeah. got a million, so no, that, I think that's, that's what like, I think. That, I think that's what it was. Well, legitimate in terms of them actually offering it, I guess. Not well, not I, in terms of how much he would be getting. I haven't heard that. I mean, the, the people again. I whenever, whenever I see reports, I consider the source, and sure. the people that reported that know what they're doing, so I trust them. But it, 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 it's, I kind of wonder why you bring him in with the risk-reward and, and whatever PR hit you might take because of his a few instances in his past. And if that's the offer you're going to make, why, did, why would you bother? Because he, he's going he's going to try to get the – he's not going where there's the best chance to win. He's going where the most money is. Um, so, yeah, I – 
and again, people say, well, that, that just shows you they're trying to put the screws to Jonathan Taylor. Well, not if it was a, it was a million-dollar contract offer you or not. Now, when they bring in Dalvin Cook for a look-see, then they're trying to put the screws to Jonathan Taylor, which isn't going to happen. But uh, right now, and again, they don't sign him, so they sign, uh, was it Huntley, Joshua, I, 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 Jason, Jason yes. Huntley, yes. Who, who's played very little. So right now they're trying to find healthy running backs. But that was just, it was just a strange, I hate to use the word courtship, but, I mean, they did have an offer. They brought him, or they an interest, they brought him in here. But if that was your, if that was your interest level, I'm not really sure why you would have messed with it. I um, have no idea why they would have messed with it. I mean, zero. Well, well, I mean, clearly they just needed bodies. Well, but he's not not just a body. And and that's what I'm saying is, and then you you talk about the, the hit that you get from a, a fan base that's, you know, already, you know, down on how this thing is going right now. That's just another in the long line. I just – I didn't get at all why you would even consider Kareem Hunt here. Well, and again, ESPN reported, I'm assuming it came from the agent because that's where, you know. Yes. It either comes from the agent or Chris Ballard, and Chris Ballard ain't talking, to where he was – he was – he had a really good workout with the Saints and – you know, well, but the Colts contacted and offered him more or whatever, which I don't know how the Colts knew what the Saints offered him. But that certainly wasn't the case. And, again, if it was just a million, it, it's from the outside looking in, that's not a strong offer for, for a guy with his pedigree but baggage, both, I guess. And I, I would think he, he will get something more somewhere else. So, you know, I, I think they'll try to find a running back one with experience, you know, that knows what's going on because you don't know about Jonathan Taylor. You don't know about Zach Moss, how long he's going to be out. And I think they said, I think they said Deion Jackson's got a quad, I think it is. So they're really thin uh, at running back in these preseason games, which is, a, which is a, a problem because normally in the second half of these games, you're working the clock and you're, and you're, and you're running the ball. So it, it's we all just want, and I'm sure not any more than the team does. They, we want resolution on the Jonathan Taylor situation. I don't know where it goes. Steichen said today that he, Kevin asked him, Kevin Bowen asked him, that uh, do you expect him back? He expects him back next week. Do you expect him to practice? Well, you know, we want, we want the sooner we're getting back, the better. We're interested in getting back and getting him on the field, but there's no, there's no indications that that's anytime soon. But at some point, somebody has to take some step, and I don't mean stepping away from the team to rehab, which is crazy in my mind, but at some point, he either has to play or not play. And uh, in a week or two, that the team has to know what's going on with him one way or the other. To Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. So where do you side on this? Is the, the injury... Uh, the ankle still a situation for him that he is uh, off-site rehabbing, or is this more a playbook play from his representation in hopes <laughs> to you know, making sure that he gets paid while not playing here? Because I think it's well, the I, latter. Well, I, that, when, and that, that, that's what that's how you kind of read it. I remember I asked Shane Steichen last week when he when he talked at length, I guess, for him about Taylor and. You know, I said, is this is he rehabbing the same injury that he had last year where he had the surgery? He said, yeah, he's got the ankle. So that didn't move the needle. And, you know, everyone's reported that the, the surgery he had, which was needed, normally has a two- to four-week rehab time. Well, we're, so, we're seven months into that. Yeah. So, you know, did, 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 he, did he injure – did he aggravate it? Did the surgery not work? Is, is this a new injury? If it's a new injury, or if he aggravated it, he probably did that away from the team because he's done. He's, to my knowledge, he's done. You know, he, he's not been on the field here. I guess you could have tweaked it, working. You know, rehabbing here, but it's just, it's just. I can't remember. I, I was talking with Kevin Bowen today. I can't remember a time that a player, certainly a high-end player rehabbing has done that away from the team now maybe i'm just forgetting somebody but if that's not a slap in the face to your medical and rehab staff i don't know what is you know i i don't trust you guys i'm going elsewhere well, how else do you read it 
and I'm guessing the team could have could have pushed back and said, "No, you're rehabbing here." They didn't. Yeah. So and, until we talk to Jonathan Taylor, and then he can clear up all these things. He can say, "No, you guys have got wrong information. You've done this." Well, then then tell us what's going on, because failing that, we're getting the team's point of view. We're getting his point of view from his agent. But the, the best source is the player. He can tell you what's going on. Yeah, this is the same injury. It just hasn't gotten better. It's nagging. But until we talk to him, we don't know. Yeah, I, that, that's where I am with this. I, I mean, especially with you know all the dialogue that has gone back and forth. Just seems like the Colts side, they've been playing some cards. And then, you know, you get, you'll get a counter, you know, from the agent or even Jonathan Taylor himself via Twitter. And I just think, you know, especially after that non-football-related injury situation, it just kind of sounds like this is the next play out of the playbook of making sure that your client is protected and gets his money even if he doesn't play because clearly right now it doesn't look like he wants to. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I remember about two weeks ago when all the national stuff came up about the devaluation of running backs and what are their options and all this, and he, he's either still the NFLPA president or was J.C. Kretter of, of Cleveland. And he said, well, he said, you know, he, he sort of hinted at you need to fake injuries, which is really strange to hear from – Perhaps the former, again, I don't know his status now, but from, from, let's say the former head of the NFLPA players, you know, group. And that, that's, that's, that's what's so hard to figure is, let's say the, t- the Colts come in here Monday or Tuesday when they, when they go back to the practice, and they say, we believe you are ready to practice. And Jonathan Taylor says, no, I'm not. Well, then, again, then, then I assume – you, 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 maybe they put him on a list of non-football injury or, you know, uh, uh, conduct detrimental to the team, and then there's a grievance, yeah. and then the union gets involved, and that's what you don't want because then it really gets toxic. You know, we're not quite there yet, but we're not far from there. I just, it, it's just hard to know where this goes until Taylor either practices and you know, by, you know, sucks it up and practices, and then worries about next year, next year, or the team does something. And to me, the only way the team does something is if they believe he's ready to practice and he refuses. And and then you get outside parties involved, and then it really, really gets toxic and nasty. So my chapel with us, uh, this is something I just saw. I, I saw down near me today down in Greenwood at the die course down on 135 that uh, Bailey Wood, which is a mortgage company, had a uh, – uh, golf outing well, with Wish TV Channel 8 and Jeff Saturday was there because he's a spokesperson oh. of this particular company and it was like the first time that you'd heard anything. I think it was AC that actually had talked to him and asked him and of course Jeff Saturday as Jeff Saturday normally does is saying all the right things are still really pulling for you know the Colts and was talking about Anthony Richardson but you think we're ever going to know from Jeff all that went down there and I guess his side of this story or is this always just going to be an unknown and just go away? It'll probably be an unknown and go away because I think he he still it, it wants to be very involved with the team. Now, I don't know if he'll ever eat back or he's a you know an outside observer consultant for the owner, but I think he's still held in high esteem here by the by the owner and by folks in the front office. Not I shouldn't say front office, per se, in people that surround him. But I just don't know that it it's going to serve Jeff Saturday's purpose to really go into detail what went on. I saw where Matt Ryan mentioned that it was a, a blank show for 18 months, a complete you know, blank show. Yeah. I thought all he really did was give you a headline. He didn't give you any details. He could, he could sort of give you a lot of what went on. Which, but but I, just, I just don't know that it serves those people – well, you know, yeah. to, to do that, and certainly not just Saturday, because for, for him to really say what all went on, he would have to take some of the blame for it. And you know, he he, he was knee deep in that all of that stuff that went on, and I just don't think it serves anybody's purpose to do that. It just doesn't. 
Was there ever any thought? Uh, I mean, I, I guess maybe he wouldn't want to, but you know, clearly he's not at ESPN right now, and he was, uh, you know, being compensated as a consultant here before he ultimately took over as the interim head coach last year. Uh, with that decision being made by Jim Irsay, is there, you think there's ever any thought of bringing him back in that capacity, or is it absolutely done? And it's just Jeff Saturday as the former player that is going to be embraced by this fan base. Well, never say never. Uh, I, I just think that <laughs> I think there are forces with the team that would really push back if the owner wanted that. You know, I, I don't know that Chris Ballard would want to do that, and, and I, I'm not sure how involved Chris was. Yeah, with, with the, initially, I think this was really the owner and just Saturday. You've got a new line coach, a new assistant coach. Let let those guys do their job. And if it goes in the dumpster again, then maybe. But no, I just I think that was. I, I don't see how that would work going forward. It had to be extremely awkward when Chris Ballard interviewed Jeff Saturday for the job, for the for, for, for the for the opening in the yeah, office. Because he didn't so, want him. <laughs> he well, didn't want I'm him. Saying, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why I just I don't think that would work, and I, I just don't think the owner would do that again. <laughs> Love to have a seat in that room. Yeah, well. You know what? You said something smart a moment ago, never say never, and we have come to certainly understand that here. Regardless of some of the more outrageous things of all time, we've been there and we have done that, you know, around here. You know what? Keep keep, keep in mind that that the the Colts host host the Chicago Bears in the next-to-the-last preseason game. Yes. What could happen on a next-to-the-last preseason game with the Bears in town, you know? Oh, nothing. I mean, <laughs> no, nothing whatsoever. <laughs> nothing good. <laughs> I still laugh that, from what you hear, that the, the Colts are trying to keep that under wraps for the weekend. They were trying yeah. to get through the weekend, right? Yeah, and, and we, we – We've, I've had talks with people about how Shepard got that, whether it was somebody in Luck's camp or did, did the fact that Luck, you know, sent in his retirement papers to the league, so the league had it, and then yeah. it got to Schefter. That I think there's a, some truth in that. I just can't imagine anybody in Luck's camp letting that out because now he had told what he had told <laughs> T.Y., he had told Jack Doyle and a few other players. And I'm sure those players kept it to themselves. I really yeah. believe that. So I think it came from the league, but I've got no proof. It's uh, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and 559. Again, Anthony Richardson gets the start. Preseason game one in Buffalo on Saturday. Me, Bill Brooks, and the Gorman have your pregame coverage right here. Begins at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. And Mike, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll talk next week and see where, as the world turns, might be regarding Jonathan Taylor. Can't you, wait. You, you'll be up, you'll be up in, in uh, Westfield next week? Yeah, you're going to join me up there. Exactly. Yes, that is next week, isn't it? it? Yeah, I wonder, hey, now if Jonathan Taylor is back, um, maybe he comes over and talks with me, right? What do you think? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep, 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 keep the seat warm. I like I like to make things as awkward as hell, so I can do that at the very least. And, and, Why and not? You throw, you throw softballs at him. Yeah, can you imagine? He'll, he'll look as happy as Chris Ballard did at the Combine for sitting down with me. So remember how happy he looked? He thought, man, is there any place else I'd rather be than sitting next to this clown? Well, I, I've never. The, the worst time I saw him it was during Jeff Saturday's intro press conference. That, that was not pleasant. <laughs> and I'm, I'm convinced the reason it was 20 minutes late is they had to drag Chris in there, kicking and screaming, because it, that was not yeah. a good intro press conference by any no stretch. Doubt. No doubt. All right, buddy. I appreciate that. Have a great weekend.